friends, you're listening to Make Out Already, a romance novel podcast. And it's spooky season, witches, so Liz and I hopped on our broomsticks for a detour in honor of Halloween to another misunderstood genre. And that genre is horror. Like romance, it's defined by a certain set of rules and a lot of misconceptions. Our guide on this scary trip was our friend and horror aficionado, Deanna. So get your cauldrons ready as we explore the horrific breakup movie, Midsommar. Hi, Meg. Hey, Liz. How are you? I'm scared. You're scared? (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm not so scared anymore, but we're having some, um, we're having a discussion about something that's pretty scary, I think. Yeah, so because it is spooky season right now when we are recording this and Halloween is right around the corner, we thought that it would be interesting to be joined by a super fan of another misunderstood genre. So we're taking a little break from romance to talk about horror with our friend Deanna. Hello. How are you? I'm... I'm doing great. I'm in my favorite season of the year where I get to watch all of my favorite films and read the scary stuff that I like. So I'm living the dream. Your best life. Yes, my best (laughs) October life. (laughs) So I'm curious how you got started with horror as a genre. Uh, So growing up, my dad was always into monster movies and he would always watch those with me there were a lot of sleepless Mm -hmm. nights as a child I know Gremlins is technically a horror comedy but at five it is a nightmare factory (laughs) yeah but I I loved all of it and I never gave it up as I got older I would read Stephen King and Lovecraft and just have run wild as an adult with horror. It's just my favorite of all genres. So when we've talked about romance to other people who aren't super familiar with it, we kind of lay out what the quote unquote rules of the genre are and what makes something romance. Is there something kind of similar for horror or how, how would you explain what the genre is and sets it apart from other types of, I guess, scary movies? Mm hmm. So horror is very interesting because it has, and this is probably very similar with romance, it has a lot of different subgenres. But I think the thing that is most important is discomfort and unease. And it may not be, I'm terrified. It may be, I feel really uncomfortable with this situation. It is horrific to me. So it's so open for interpretation but it basically just seeks to take you out of your comfort zone and give you a feeling of, or being terrified, maybe. So my follow-up question to that is, why? (laughs) (laughs) If anything, people are going to romance to escape feelings of discomfort. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I actually think horror has a similar component to it because whatever's going on in your daily life, like right now, everyone is in quarantine, it's stressful, it's depressing. Mm -hmm. And you can go into a horror movie and see something truly terrible happening, but it's not happening to you. So you still have relative safety, Mm. even watching this situation unfold. 
So it is kind of escapism as well, just a different kind. Hmm. I can see that because when we talk about the movie that we're going to be talking about, (laughs) I felt very much like I was transported to a different world Mm -hmm. while I was watching it. And I am a little bitty baby when it comes to (laughs) scary movies. Like I, I have a very low tolerance for that kind of thing. And I, I didn't, feel like I didn't have the jump scare feeling like that I would normally associate with watching a scary movie with this. I get what you're saying about sort of creeping on ease. And uh, as someone who has anxiety, I'm pretty used to that. So I can can handle it pretty well. So Meg, what has been your previous experience with horror movies? Have you watched many? Um, Deanna might have to set the record straight on if I'm talking about something that's actually horror or not. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I think one of the early scary movies that I watched, we, we did not have, uh, access to that kind of entertainment media when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. it was probably, um, quarantine, <laughs> if you remember that one, <laughs> <laughs> where it's like a deadly, crazy strand of rabies. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. And then I watched, uh, I think it's like La Orfanada. It's a Spanish wow language um scary movie um and Mm -hmm. then i tried to watch the exorcist at one point and uh, i later found out that it was like the director's cut or some like unedited version so it was like extra bad there was a point at which i was like i i literally cannot take another second of this we have to turn it off so i've never finished that (laughs) that's that's a good idea Um, and i think that's the last one that i've watched before before this because <laughs> I was like really traumatized by the exorcist yeah I don't I, I, I don't mess with that <laughs> I think my experience is even more limited so I'm pretty sure that as a kid I watched Nightmare on Elm Street or was around when someone was watching Nightmare on Elm Street because my mom was weirdly permissive about entertainment that I got to watch mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that I saw that. I think I saw Gremlins. Uh, and then when I was a little older and the first Ring movie came out, I think I watched that one at home on DVD and I could (laughs) kind of handle that even though it falls in the creepy child genre that I very much stay away from. And then I went to go see the second ring at a drive-in theater with a guy I was dating. And I told him, like, I'm so scared of jump scares. Like, if things get quiet, like, do not at any point try to scare me by, like, touching my shoulder really fast. Mm -hmm. And he did that. And I'm not... I'm not proud of this, but I may have hit him in response. You should be proud of that. I know it's a salt, but like it wasn't. It was. It wasn't like I punched him in the face or anything. It was like I was scared and I swatted at the thing that caused my fear. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and uh, I'm so sorry, Tim. Uh, he brought that on himself. And when. Uh, what else have I seen? Uh, I have seen Carrie and actually really like that one. And I guess the movie Teeth is kind of like a horror movie, but maybe more of a horror comedy. And, you know, it's 
it's about vagina dentata, so it's very much aligned with my interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's very relatable. Yeah. So, so that's about it. So, yeah. so I have, you have a strict no creepy children policy. I have a very strict no demonic, no possessions Oh, I don't thing. like that. Yeah, that's Mm-mm. that's a no for me, which is why the exorcist was just such a bad choice. Deanna, do you have a favorite so- subgenre or any subgenres that you don't connect with? Ooh. It's hard for me to pick anyone anyone favorite. I mm. will say, so kudos to you, Meg. The scariest horror movie I've ever seen is The Exorcist, and I've seen it like 3 or 4 times. Oh. Because- more of like a dare movie like I no, it wasn't that bad it's always that bad every time I watch it it's that bad yeah the the I think I made it until like very close to the end I probably should have just pushed through but I just thought I couldn't take another second it stays with you I I feel like I've kind of leveled up with horror Mm -hmm. where I'm not just watching the standard movies that are coming out in theaters. I want to venture out and find Mm -hmm. new types of horror because, and you brought up teeth Liz. That's, I think is a really interesting movie because horror has a tendency to go down unexplored paths and Mm -hmm. talk Mm -hmm. about things in a different way Mm -hmm. and really hit topics. Um, even if you think about like Rosemary's Baby, which I know neither of you have seen, but it's very much talking about women and them not feeling in control of their own bodies and their own decisions, which is relatable. Year mm-hmm. when, oh yeah, in the year 2020, in the year 1970, it's relatable. So I yeah I I like to venture around. I would say that one of my favorite horror movies is probably poltergeist i watched it way too young but that's okay <laughs> that movie's cursed i remember seeing like a like an e-true hollywood story or yeah. something about that movie and like isn't that movie like cursed like everyone who worked on it had something terrible happen to them Not everyone like coaches in that movie but <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of bad things did happen of course bad things happen to people who are in every movie you just sure it stands out more when it's a horror movie but yes okay. very creepy things and apparently the the skeletons in the pool were in fact skeletons Fuck. none of the actors knew it oh they found out later like in i don't have context for this because i haven't seen it. yeah there's there's skeletons there's so what happens is they build the house on top of a graveyard mm-hmm. and they don't move the bodies ah. so, right <laughs> wait is that in the movie or that's in the movie that's in the movie so they they brought in real skeletons for it Mm -hmm. (sighs) but why but why i you know from what i understand the skeletons were cheaper than having models built which is disturbing i have a lot of questions about the ethics of uh this (laughs) they're not they're good they're not good yeah (laughs) (laughs) But I don't expect you to have to answer for that, so I won't ask you. I, w- I wasn't involved in any of those decisions. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoyed the finished product. Okay. So, so oh, go ahead. Other then. than, 
horror being misunderstood, do you think there are any other parallels we could draw to romance as a genre? Maybe as far as I can think people may be looking down on it as a lesser art form. Not, oh, not sure. so that it's justified, but just that that might be public perception. For sure. And I, I think the movie that we're going to talk about, it has some amazing performances in it. And often if you're talking about award shows or any kind of real acclaim, people don't ever want to look at horror, which is wild to me because you get the most connected performances from actors and they're just, they can be so emotional on so many levels. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel more after watching a horror movie than just watching some throwaway comedy or sometimes if it's a drama that has a lot going on there you can still lose the thread Mm -hmm. but horror pulls you in so tight and forces you to relate to people I mean if they're well done if they have good actors good stories you don't want to see people die right I don't (laughs) no (laughs) no (laughs) yeah I definitely felt um connected to the character in the movie that we're talking about in a way that I did not expect. So mm-hmm. Liz, I don't know if you had any other questions about horror in general, or if you want to get into talking about this movie in particular. Uh, one more that I wanted to get into, which I think will be a good transition into the movie. So when I think of a horror movie, I think about women getting fridged mm-hmm. and I think of, you know, the slutty, girl who dies first in a horror movie or uh, naive virgins who end up surviving. So I associate horror with a lot of pretty anti-feminist tropes mm-hmm. that I know I'm not articulating very well, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you're a feminist, Deanna. I am indeed. I'm, I'm very much for the female. <laughs> so we, we always look at romance novels through a feminist lens because people have a misconception of romance being inherently anti-feminist. Mm-hmm. So how how do you parse that with horror? I mean, I, I think that there are definitely some throwaway horror films that very much, they're there for the trope. They're not really thinking through. But I also think horror has a good way of shining a light on things. Uh, and mm-hmm. this is not a film that we're talking about, but Black Christmas is actually really interesting for that reason, because it's it's set in a sorority house, which seems like standard issue. But this mm. is before it was, you know, the slutty cheerleader dies first. It's, this was in 1974 that that movie came out. Yeah. And the main character finds out that she's pregnant. She's in college. She's going to have an abortion. She tells her boyfriend he freaks out and she's like, dude, I'm not, ha- I'm not doing this. And it's, it's handled so well throughout the film. And there's never, and when you think about the time period that it was set, you expect it to look different, to be, oh, women, they're dainty and they're running and they're hiding, but they're not. They're just living their life and this thing happens. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting, the movies that really try the movies that want to make you look at situations. And I I think because horror forces you to really get in touch with the characters and really feel an emotion, 
-hmm. you can feel situations a bit heavier, whether it's sexual violence or, um, you know, women being abused, abortion. It's, it's really interesting to see that pulled out through horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like a lot of, for a lot of horror films, the premise is somehow tied to a social taboo. Mm-hmm. And it's explored in different ways that are varying levels of um, believable or not and, and disturbing or goofy or not. But it seems like if you pull the thread, you get to something an issue in our society that like, we don't really know how we feel about, or like we do have strong feelings about, Mm -hmm. but they're coming from, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So it's definitely, it's a very thought provoking genre if you're there for it. And there are certainly those movies that you just go and watch. I hate all these characters. They can all die. I will laugh at them. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But there are other people that are really exploring, um, Oh, crap. What's his name? The, the director of the film that we're about to watch. Ari Aster? Yes. This is, so this is his second like big blockbuster horror film. and the previous- After Hereditary? Yes. And he, he's really exploring issues that are just not thought about for horror. And they're not traditional horror or what is expected, but they're very... They are things that are creeping dread for mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. daily life. Things that actually scare people on the day to day. Cause I don't, I don't wake up in the morning and think I'm going to be murdered by someone with the machete today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Did someone steal my identity? Is something going to happen to my family? You know, the, the real things that get to people. Mm-hmm. What, happens when i die i don't know damn that's heavy yeah i think that i would like to come back at the end after we talk about midsummer because i'm i think our listeners would probably want some recommendations of if they're going to watch horror movies for the first time or watch movies that if they want to like branch out beyond the mainstream stuff and I, I do have a bonus movie to tell, to tell the fans about that is a crossover oh. of romance and horror, and it's beautiful. Ooh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us about it now or save it for later? We'll save it. Either is fine. We'll save it. Okay. Okay, let's save it. I'm very intrigued. <laughs> okay. All right. So Deanna gave us three choices of a movie to watch and discuss together, and as we've already gotten into, Meg and I don't watch horror movies, so we are big crybabies about it. Correct. Uh, <laughs> she gave us a choice of Black Christmas, which we, which she mentioned for a little bit, and then Annihilation, which I didn't even realize was a horror movie. I thought it was sci-fi based on the same, and was one that I wanted to go see in theaters, yeah. but didn't get around to. And then. Finally, Midsommar, which is what we ended up watching. Uh, So I have a super quick synopsis of Midsommar. uh, And feel free to interject if I leave out something really important or mischaracterize it. Uh, So Midsommar is about a young woman named Danny, and she has a shitty boyfriend named Christian. So shitty. And Christian is just not that into her. He 
kind of wants to break up with her, but he's a big coward about it. And he's super mediocre and (laughs) equally mediocre friends are like, dude, you can do so much better than her because you're so mediocre. (laughs) Which, come on, you cannot do better than that girl. No. Uh, (laughs) I'm Um, really on board with this synopsis so far. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, too chicken shit to break up with her and then he definitely doesn't break up with her after her whole family dies her sister dies by suicide via carbon monoxide poisoning and takes both their parents with her Hmm. so that's a bummer and you can't like (laughs) like you can't like it's kind of a dick move to break up with someone right after their whole family has died so you know he sticks around with her for a while longer and him and his mediocre friends are planning a trip to Sweden to go to some festival that one of their friends' families does every so often, every, I think, 90, 96 mm-hmm. years um, for Midsummer. And she hears about it and she's kind of like annoyed that he didn't confirm to her that he was actually going to go and kind of left her out of the conversation and he sort of says like I mean like you can come like it's cool and she goes she has an anxiety disorder we see her take Ativan we see her have panic Mm -hmm. attacks Uh, we see her sort of lose time through these transitions where she is in the middle of one panic attack in one bathroom, and then we see her in the middle of a different panic attack in a different bathroom mm-hmm. and an airplane. And they get there, and it's very bright and beautiful, and everyone's just like singing and dancing and chanting together, wearing and tripping on mushrooms, white clothing. <laughs> yes, uh, and <laughs> being generally very white. Yes, and. And early on in the movie, there is a ceremony with two elders, and uh, it's not explained what is going to happen, but they each jump off a cliff. Onto a rock. Yeah, yeah, to their deaths, and this is supposed to be part of a cycle of birth and death, so it's very reminiscent of pagan traditions, but, like, horrific. Mm -hmm. And instead of, like, fucking off, all the people who are there, like, they have a little freak out, but then they, like, stay because it's explained to them, like, this is just our custom. This is our tradition. And the two people who do want to fuck off, um, they get axed first. Mm -hmm. So maybe there was no right solution. (laughs) But, like, the fact that, like, most of them decided that they weren't going to try to leave and they were just like, oh, let's, like, see what plays out and, like, Oh, what you cooking over yeah. there? Can you teach me how to? They're like, damn, they're crazy. Anyway, moving on. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah, two two of them want to write their thesis about this culture, and it's well, very much like some edge lord bullshit. Like, yeah. So Chidi Anagonye wants to <laughs> write the thesis based off of these people. Like that was his whole point. Like he wanted to travel across Europe and document these cultures and then christian is like oh like i am going to steal your idea steal your idea because he's the most (laughs) mediocre i'm gonna white man the shit out of this situation (laughs) so he so yeah so there's like a lot of 
levels of respect and disrespect of this culture, but it's very much like exoticized mm-hmm. and uh shit happens. There's like a ritual sex scene. Ooh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh a, a pube gets dipped <laughs> into a pie. Yep. <laughs> I think I ate her pube earlier. <laughs> There's uh, also a menstrual blood drink. Don't know if anyone noticed that. I did. It was very cloudy. <laughs> very pink. Yeah. Very... Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they a, a bunch of stuff happens. Sacrifices are made of nine people in total to uh, appease the gods and purge the wickedness from the culture. And the culture is also super inbred, by the way. Mm -hmm. So they bring in outsiders to try to like prevent that, introduce new becoming too much of a thing to the pool. Yeah, and then uh, Danny gets crowned the May Queen, and she gets to pick who the final sacrifice will be. And the choices are Christian and some girl from the the family, and she picks Christian. Christian gets sewn up into a bear. And set on fire by Christian. (laughs) You suck. (laughs) And it is assumed at the end by the catharsis that Danny experiences with first sobbing and then smiling at the end that she is just going to stay here with these, with this Swedish death cult and live out the rest of her days and like probably have babies with that Pele guy. Let's hope. And there's also like a big, 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 big flower dress that was really pretty. The end. Hey, good job, Liz. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so wait, I I have a question based on how you wrap that up. So yes. Deanna, is it also your interpretation that she's gonna like live out the rest of her days on this death cult commune? I I do think that. Mm-hmm. Because I think what she got and why she gets catharsis is she found a family. Yeah. She found people to actually support her and to go through and actually experience emotion with Mm -hmm. her, allow her to do it openly instead of hiding in the bathroom in the airplane. Right. Mm -hmm. This is real connection that she feels for the first time in the entire film. And... Not that they're not a death cult, but they only do it like every 90 years. <laughs> the rest of the time is just a normal May Queen who just, I assume, throws flowers and, eh, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to say that the sex rituals still happen. That was, that's, that's, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my, go so ahead. So I, I guess I had the same kind of impression that she is going to, going to stay there. And at first, like we were talking about after the, I think it was called like Atastupa or Atastupa or something, the elders jumping off of the cliff mm-hmm. and everyone's freaking out. And Danny starts to freak out and Pele comes to her and is like trying to comfort her. And he's saying he gets where she's coming from. He also lost his parents, but he never had the chance to feel lost because he always felt so held by this community. Mm-hmm. And asks her if she feels held and if she feels held by Christian, of course the answer is absolutely yeah. not. So right. while he's giving this spiel, like obviously I know where the story is going and I know that the elder suicide is horrible, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also like, well, he's not wrong. <laughs> like, right. 
But like, can't we do all of that without all oh, of hell that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I am not <laughs> justifying what they're doing at all. I'm just saying in the world of the movie, I'm like, Danny is kind mm-hmm. of better off. She really is. Well, but like, what other choice does she have? Is she going to go back to America without all her friends who she traveled with and like never to be seen again? Like, she's going to be asked some questions by the authorities at some point. Sure, of course. But so she kind of feels that's, I feel like that's not the reason that she would be choosing to stay, though. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, And I I feel like she could probably just go back to America and be like, me and that son of a bitch finally broke up and I left his ass in Sweden last time I saw him. That's the game I would play. <laughs> but, I mean, everyone who knew her would be like, thank God, because he was the worst. But I don't yeah. think he's going back. Yeah, and I, I like what you brought up about how she was allowed to feel, um, whereas mm-hmm. before, I mean, in the begin, the first 12 minutes is where all that shit goes down with her family. And Christian just, like, consistently gaslighted her about it the whole time until it happens. And she's like, you're right, you're right. I don't feel this way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, having the panic attacks Mm -hmm. in the bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Contrast that to after she sees Christian doing the weird sex cult ritual through the keyhole. Mm -hmm. She's laying on the floor wailing, just like she was in the beginning when her family died. Where Christian's just kind of like awkwardly sitting there patting her shoulder while she's like keening her grief. She's laying on the floor wailing and all of the women are gathered around her wailing along with her. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see like that she, while she's still upset, she does kind of de-escalate a little bit and like calm mm-hmm. down. And it's a really interesting scene. And I was like, oh man, acting students love this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there, there are a lot of things about the, say the word for me, I want to say Hagar, and I know that's not right. Hagrid? Oh, oh what is it? Harga. Harga. There are a lot of things about it that at face value, this is really wrong. But even watching, well, not watching them jump off the cliff, but knowing why they were doing it, this is the end of their life cycle. They're, what are they, 70, 75 years old? Mm-hmm. 72. 72. And in their mind, that is the end of it. But if you look at end of life after that point in America, it gets really painful. You're probably going to develop some kind of cancer. There are, there are businesses around the country that will help with euthanasia because no one wants to die that way. And these people are choosing to do it at their own time, one of which was horrible in sweden you mean there's euthanasia is it really that crazy that they do it in this ritualistic way and it's a big send-off from their community first yes it's (laughs) yes it is it is weird (laughs) but it's also i can kind of get where she would buy into it yeah Especially knowing that her sister just killed herself and her parents and seeing it done in a peaceful and accepting way with the community. I mean, she was a farm. They bludgeoned (laughs) homeboy's face in. Well, they did it. Yeah. I mean, he he didn't land so good. (laughs) No, that was truly awful. Oh, that was off. Uh, I became vegan after they after they <laughs> grilled them. 
Okay, so did they eat no, the people? I don't think so. I think they were just burning okay. their bodies. It to was real vegetables. implied, though. Like, you see oddly what? shaped meats on their table, and they're making <sighs> meat pies that, like, somehow seem questionable, other than, obviously, like, there's pubes in one. Well. <laughs> I feel like, you know, they, like, snuck a piece of liver oh. out of a corpse or two. Like, there's some. There's definitely a foot in the garden, so we're... <laughs> that's not um, unheard of for them it seems like <laughs> that was fertilizer the foot in the garden makes me think kind of like in folk Catholicism aren't there things where like if you bury a certain saint upside down in your front yard it's good luck for selling your house or something I'm butchering Wait. that completely I asked Eric about that like did you ever do anything like that <laughs> growing up and he's like yeah totally I know what you're doing there's a lot of a precedent for for that kind of thing in farming and gardening like I think about uh the tradition of biodynamics in farming where there's a lot of okay you take the bladder of this animal and you fill it with dung from this animal and you ferment it and you bury it with your corn or like you take a horn from this type of animal and stuff it with dung and there there's a lot of a precedent for that kind of thing but i mean this was a fucking foot sticking out of the ground it's jarring (laughs) (laughs) certainly okay Oh, go ahead. Uh, this, this, I was going to say that this movie reminds me of a few things in pop culture. So the first thing I think of is the short story by the Shirley lottery, Jackson yeah. called The Lottery. Yeah. So I feel like I've seen themes from that story play out in so mm-hmm. many things since then. And it gets parodied a lot. So I wonder if that was sort of the start or the first mainstream story that played on the, these like ritual sacrifices as cycles of life i, I have not seen kind of thing. the purge but i feel like we could kind of make a comparison there at least from how i understand it this like sort of community catharsis. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, i will say i think one of the influences for this film was the wicker man which is it's a novel and a uh, 1970 ish film um there's a child that goes missing on a kind of isolated island off the coast of Wales, I think. And this policeman goes in to investigate and it's just this happy hippie commune. It's very similar to the Harga. And what he finds out is that he's actually there to go in the Wicker Man, which will be set aflame with him inside it. So every year in Santa Fe, there is this giant statue of, he's basically like a boogeyman named Sosobra. And Sosobra is Spanish for like an ordeal, for like a terrible ordeal that you go through. So there are drop boxes throughout the city where people donate things that they want to purge from their lives so every year you see news articles where the people who collect the items will say like we've got old wedding dresses we've got letters like all all these items that represent something that caused you a lot of pain so those items are then stuffed into the giant sosobra doll and then it is burned during a big festival and um the thing is pretty cool because it roars and moves its eyes around, its arms around. And as it burns more, it gets more animated. And 
You just like watch this monster full of everyone's sorrows burning once a year. I dig it. Yeah. That's, that sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the pictures are always really cool and it's like really freaky looking and it's like just it's like pagan as fuck. Like like <laughs> mainstream culture is pagan as fuck and people don't realize it because they <laughs> think that like midsummer is pagan as fuck but it's like like we do also like christians are pagan as fuck how many fucking buckeyes do i have in my house that (laughs) relatives have given us for good luck like like weird shit like that like catholics they drink blood and eat flesh that is the thing what and you're a catholic are we doing right i grew up catholic so yeah 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 it's a weird tradition I I've read that like Christmas was basically like when Christianity took place, the pagans really wanted to like keep their Yule traditions and the church is like, mm-hmm. okay, fine. But like, we're going to make it about Jesus. Yeah. Happy you, birthday, Jesus. You, you can still get all drunk and <laughs> dance around, but in the name of Christ. Right. <laughs> As he would want. Yeah. But, Sweet but anyway, Jesus. back to Midsommar. Uh, I did I did have like one thing that I didn't want to forget to mention which is I really enjoyed the scenes where she was tripping balls and visualized herself as becoming one with nature more Mm -hmm. and more and I saw that as she was so measured always in how she had to react to things like she was always trying to calm herself down she was always trying to be less clingy with her boyfriend she was always trying to dial down her natural reaction to things and be very Mm -hmm. controlled and this movie felt like her gradually losing control and embracing what naturally came forth from her emotionally Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. i agree yeah i think that's a thing that and it's not just american culture it's i think western civilization Mm -hmm. is bad about is dealing with people who are going through something, mm-hmm. not knowing how to talk to them and putting those people in a position of having to behave a certain way in public. Mm-hmm. To make other people comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Like I went through a divorce last year and, and this isn't everyone, but you can't just have breakdowns out in public because people are going to have opinions about it and they're going to make you feel bad or Mm -hmm. you're going to feel bad because you made them uncomfortable. And it's, it's just Mm -hmm. so unacceptable to be a person with emotions sometimes is how it feels. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. I feel that intensely. I mean, I've gone through really dark periods in my life where people didn't necessarily see it going on. It was like, mm-hmm. go cry on the bathroom floor at work yes. in the saw and then like wash your face and then go back to your desk and try to act like everything is fine and make jokes. Like I've been there yeah, so many times just like, yeah. And going through a hard time, going through depression mm-hmm. and anxiety, it's so hard to, have that be out and open. Like people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to see it. A lot of times the reaction is, well, when I feel bad, I do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
good for fucking you. I'm glad you you got inside my head and fixed all my problems. Yeah. We just want you to be quiet and feel what you're feeling away from me. I Mm -hmm. helped. I gave you a suggestion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it's hands off. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not empathy. (laughs) No, no. That's, oh my God, what's happening? Is she on fire? Here's some water. Throw it on her. <laughs> Get out of the room. <laughs> so I also wanted to, I know this gets a little bit away from what we're talking about, but I feel like there might be a connection to the emotions that were at play in the movie. The, the symbol of the bear. Mm-hmm. So when, during the first 12 minutes, when everything's going down with her family, we see her apartment, I think they're sitting on the couch and there's like a painting of a girl um, with a bear that's much larger than her. And then of course we see the bear many times when they're actually in Harga. What do you think the bear symbolizes? I, I think the bear is fear. It's that whatever is overwhelming you in your life whatever you're afraid of, confronting it. And I I love that that painting is in the beginning. I remember seeing it too. And so much of what plays out is telegraphed throughout the entire film. Mm, Yeah. You're looking for it. And there's even a great shot. It's when she is looking through that keyhole to see Christian in his gangbang. (laughs) She, the way she's bent over looking through it, it's exactly how she's looking at that bear. That's Mm. her looking at her bear, Mm. seeing the broken relationship in front of her and confronting it face to face. Liz, what do you think? Uh, My initial thing when you posed that question was that it's like the patriarchy but that's my answer to everything I I mean I think that the bear is like being tamed Mm. right Mm -hmm. so she's both like taming or subduing something that has caused her harm and exerting herself as the dominant creature like man overcoming nature although I might be totally misinterpreting that since it's about a society that's very connected to nature Mm -hmm. so i don't know i'm still processing this fucking movie (laughs) (laughs) it it takes processing and (laughs) so liz (laughs) i know that it seemed like Deanna and I were trying to justify a lot of the things that were horrible that happened in the movie. <laughs> you were not having it. And I don't want to imply that we are trying to do that. But were there things that so. you enjoyed or liked about it? Um, I liked when Mark had his face ripped off. <laughs> because he was a dick. Is he your least favorite character? Your most hated yeah, character? Yeah, I mean, like, He's- he... Less he favorite peed on the Christian? ancestral tree and like he, instead of being like I'm, I was just peeing like it's just a tree he could have at least apologized yeah he didn't have to use he, the phrase so what yeah he, he could have been like I am so sorry I had no idea is there anything that I can do to show that I'm sorry and to keep my face mm-hmm. he was he was a garbage person not quite as garbage as Christian uh, why do you think Christian was more garbage? They're like, both what was garbage. It that Christian, what was it that Christian 
did that was so bad. I think that's an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, I like agree. up until you know, up until the point that he under the influence of drugs banged another girl. Did he was there anything he did that was that bad or was he just yeah. Yeah. like a man? Yeah. yeah, what was it? I, he's a gaslighter. Big time. He knew what he was doing and this is this is what pisses me off about the nice guy trope. But when did he gaslight her? About her sister. He was like, he blamed her for the situation. He was like, you enable your sister to do Mm -hmm. this to you. It's your fault that you feel this way. She's like, well, I'm not enabling her. She has, you know, an illness. Yeah. And he's like, okay, "Okay, well, whatever. And she's like, you even said yourself that this email seemed different. He's like, but is it though? Like, just the way that he was trying to make her feel crazy and then making her feel like a burden for having feelings that her whole fucking family died in one fell swoop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime she tried to start the conversation with him about how she felt, he would flip it around and her feel terrible so that she is suddenly apologizing to him Mm -hmm. about being angry that he's a shitty person and a shitty boyfriend. Mm-hmm. He also booked his tickets to Sweden for a month and a half without telling her. Yep. Uh, oh, he's a bad guy. He also was like, so she's freaking out about her sister's email in the very beginning. And she's like, hey, do you want to come over later after you're done hanging out with your friends? He's like, oh, did we have plans? Like, that's not a question you ask someone that you've been with for four years. Yeah. No. And you're not a hero for staying with someone. You're right. If you're unhappy, open your fucking mouth and tell them that. Don't act like they're a burden. Yeah, and talk to all of his friends oh my about gosh, her. That just like that hit so different. Just now. <laughs> I, 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 I know, I know this guy. I have met him in real life, and he is a piece of shit. And I would rather not have any other women have to date him after Danny. And now they don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Also, like, what he did to, oh, gosh, what's the character's name? It's Chitty. Uh, oh, William Jackson Harper. Josh. Josh. Yeah. Um, that was really, really scummy. Yeah. That's yes. an idea in his head. So, hey, that's a great idea, buddy. I think I'll take it. And then he gaslit him, too. Yep. This is- to try to be like, I, I'm not, like, you were going to go to these other places. I'm not really stealing your idea. I'm such a good guy because I... You know, I'm telling you that I'm going to steal your idea. And then when that book was missing, he was like, we Mm -hmm. don't know that guy. He's just some dude. Like, we don't fuck with him. We don't, like, (laughs) we are appalled that he would do that. So he's, like, immediately blaming their friend. Because nothing is ever Christian's fault. Okay, yeah. Now I see it. You have to understand, I just watched this movie, so, like, all the body horror is still, like, the thing that I'm Mm -hmm. most focused on and not, like, the thematic character intricacies. Yeah. Sure. I felt like this movie did a really good job. Honestly, I did not expect the nuance that I got out of it. Mm -hmm. With the character of Danny, like, she felt very real to me. Mm -hmm. Um you know, her her anxiety felt very real. And the situations, the social situations that they set up, um, 
I'm thinking of when they first arrive in Hargis and they're immediately going to start taking mushrooms, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's saying, oh, I, I kind of want to get settled in first. And the whole dynamics of that interaction where Christian's kind of like sort of trying to be supportive, but also wanting to be cool with his friends mm-hmm. and uh, the pressure and how she's like, I, I don't want to make it difficult for anyone. I'm just going to do it even though I'm really uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've been in that situation before, not specifically with mushrooms on a sex call in Sweden. <laughs> that is a very specific similar, similar. situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know where it's like, she's feeling uncomfortable, um, but she wants to make sure that everyone else feels comfortable, kind of like what you were saying, Deanna, so she's going to just go with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of women have been in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially with her, she's on this trip that she was not invited on with her terrible boyfriend and his terrible friends she's there's an expectation of her to be the cool girl gotta Mm -hmm. gotta act a certain Mm -hmm. way you do drugs i do drugs you want to talk about boobies i want to talk about boobies whatever it is (laughs) (laughs) okay so this is changing gears a little bit and you can tell me we're not ready to do this if you want but um we normally will talk about like an honorable sizzle mm-hmm. a character that we would like to see more of or a pair of characters we would like to see more of or learn more about. Uh, is there anyone that we didn't dive into very deeply that you would like to know more about their backstory in this movie? I think, and I, it's been a minute since I watched this movie. I'm going to call him Pele. I know that's yes. not right, but it's something Pele. Pele. Mm-hmm. Pele. It's P-E-L-L-E because I was watching with subtitles. So I think that that pronunciation is fine. Master P. Oh. Master P. <laughs> I think he's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And we don't really dive into him. He's not the most important character in this movie. But he's obviously lived through this event before. Not quite to this degree. Not the people jumping off cliffs and sacrifices but this is his home these are the people that he came from this is his family how did he find himself in america was he sent out specifically to lure people back i that's my impression yeah like when he talks about those like was it three or four stages four stages of life Mm -hmm. when they're like what was it, 18 to 36, I think, is when they go out and have an experience in the world. I got the impression that during that age range is when they send people out to bring new folks back to Harga, whether that's just for, like, a new genetic thread being entered into the pool or otherwise. Because it seemed like his brother, Ingmar, Mm -hmm. was doing the same thing. Like, they were kind of like the bait bringing people in. And that's interesting to me, too, because I know that they don't do these sacrifices every year. I wonder if I wonder how shocking that is when it comes up and when will there be a point that they do not do this anymore? Like the lottery. We don't even know why Mm -hmm. we do it. We just do this every year. We've heard towns over on the north have stopped doing it. Like, when do you start questioning the system? Yeah. Especially if there's so uh, much time in between. I mean, there are 
children being indoctrinated into this way of life early on you see them like when they're preparing the bear for the sacrifice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you would think that going out into the world and seeing different cultures and knowing that these kinds of practices are frowned upon right because you know they know that the people they're sacrificing who are from the outside are not doing it willingly like Mm -hmm. Because they don't ask them, like, hey, are you cool with this? But they do ask within their culture, like, do you volunteer? So is there anyone who asks, like, why do we do this? Has that come up? I feel like at some point it must come up. Mm -hmm. And I'd kind of be curious to see what this society is like when it's not a big festival. When it's just, like, day-to-day life. Like, what is it that is so good about their life that justifies this that like they believe so much like this is the only way to have the life that we have Mm -hmm. right right i agree yeah um the the other thing that i didn't mention that this reminded me of when i talked about um the lottery was the most the second to last season of the hundred Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it would be spoiling it for anyone who wants to watch it because I know Deanna watched some of it. I'm not up to date. Okay. Um, I, I'll just say that there is the introduction of a society where people do volunteer to do things that that remind me a lot of Midsommar in order mm-hmm. to appease like a higher class of society. And you see things like that, like in the hunger games, yeah. which is more well-known, like there are these basically sacrifices of children for the entertainment of the wealthy and to keep the wealthy in power mm-hmm. because they are able to inflict pain on lower classes. So uh, this theme like plays out in so much entertainment and it's kind of like midsummer just makes it plainer Mm -hmm. yeah i agree yeah and i mean it's obviously a very isolated area of the world but they do leave and it's not just their Mm -hmm. kids that get sent out you know you see them taking the truck into town it kind of reminds me of i mean in our area we have amish people who live Mm -hmm just outside of town and they come into town on their horse and buggy. I I had a friend who had horses and she would go pick up her guy, bring him back to the farm. He would work on the horseshoes and then she'd drive him home because he didn't have a car. Mm -hmm. But, and the Amish have rum spring though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like these things are not crazy, but when do you look at it and think this is crazy? Oh, just mm-hmm. this year we have sacrifice, but next year and the next 50 years we won't. Yeah. And maybe you get into that group think of, well, no one else is freaking out, so I'll just be cool about it too. Group think is very powerful. Yes, it is. That's, I mean, it's not crazy to think about Jonestown, which some of that was not group think. There were definitely people that were like, I do not want to drink the Kool Aid, mm-hmm. but they still died. So you get into this setting where everyone is going along and if you're Danny, you feel connected and you have trust in them because they're there for you and they're supporting you. And she thinks she can speak Swedish at some point. And I'm like, girl, that's gibberish. Uh (laughs) I liked, I liked that part. Yeah. (laughs) 
you are just high as a kite. Yeah, you're speaking <laughs> Swedish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I feel like the movie does a lot of things really well as far as like asking us to look at what well, what is crazy, what is reasonable, mm-hmm. and and think about um, how our interpretations of situations are relative, and um, also the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Damn the patriarchy. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, I'm gonna digress just like a little bit, but I don't know if you either of you all have seen Uncut Gems. Mm-mm. So it um, is horrible. <laughs> Adam Sandler in it, right? Yeah. Okay, right. I remember you hating this movie when you saw yes. it. Yes, that's a, that's kind of sort of how I feel about Midsommar, <laughs> which is that like I recognize that it is. Uh, doing something well and it, it is artful mm-hmm. and it, it, it is saying something new but not for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> I do not want to watch again yeah I get it. so th- that being said I don't know if you guys are ready to talk about dislikes or if you feel like we're already there but there are a few like bones I have to pick with this movie I'm gonna just ignore like the incredibly disturbing content <laughs> that is most of what we see but there are a few things that I'm not sure that we needed in the movie mm-hmm. to still get the message across. So let's hear it. The first 12 minutes, for example, yep. with her family dying, I think that there are similar situations that could be construed for her family to be lost in one fell swoop where we do not have to identify her sister as someone who is bipolar, who has bipolar to use that word in particular and connect it with this, this murder. Yeah. Um, I have several people in my life who have, who live with bipolar and they're not murderers. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know that we really needed to tie in mental illness. I agree. And yeah. And then Danny has a mental illness. And at the end she sacrifices her boyfriend and lets him get stitched into a bear yeah. and, set on fire yeah so i think that we could still have all these kind of events happening that tell the same kind of story without that thread Mm -hmm. my other thing is so they have that their weird church situation with the ruby rotter i think is what it was called that their bible Mm -hmm. in a sense Mm -hmm. and they they have a person with disabilities who is considered their oracle who they you know deliberately um, inbred yeah inbred yeah. to create and they do this continually I, I don't know that did that add anything to the story for you I don't even think I really needed this oracle or the, the bible that they're working with it just seems like we I don't need another piece of media that has someone with a physical and mental disability as other as scary as like pure you know it's did I, I did it? Did you need that? I don't think we did. <laughs> it just felt like they wanted to do some prosthetics and be like, look at this gruesome yeah. person, right? And then to have him wearing Mark's face, like I just don't know that. that... Okay, so it was him who had Mark's face on. Oh, that was my interpretation. Yeah, I, okay, I, I did not know who was in the Mark face based on the sound of the breathing, mm-hmm. which is we'd heard earlier from that character. 
and we know that he lives in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I took to be the case, but maybe okay. not. But regardless, I don't know why we had to have that. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know if it was just to kind of emphasize this is a very isolated culture. There's inbreeding and genetic ad- abnormalities, but it, I don't know that it was necessary. I don't think it added anything. Yeah. And this, I felt like the suicide with the murders was almost mm-hmm. so that you could relate that in your mind when the other suicides come later. And I, I did feel like that was cheap and not necessary. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yes, there were definitely better ways to do that. And I, and I think this is a problem that a lot of film, films have is not trusting the audience enough to make their own interpretations and be smart enough for the film. You can talk about suicide and assisted suicide without making it look evil. It's But here's... Go ahead. Yeah, like when it happens later, when the two older people jump off the cliff, it's horrific. But I find that a lot less offensive than what happens in the beginning of the film. Here's the thing. I find that the beginning of the film makes the events of later in the film less likely because Danny has experienced losing family because of suicide. So how is she so easily convinced that this is okay and that therefore this is a society that she wants to be a part of? If anything, that would trigger extreme aversion for her because she knows what that pain is like. And then she wouldn't be able to feel connected to these people because they're not feeling this pain over it. They are celebrating this they are doing this willingly Mm -hmm. which and i think kind of takes you to what is wrong with the society even when it looks beautiful and loving and Mm -hmm. connected they can still prey on people and take advantage of them and that's Mm -hmm. what they do to her and that's what most cults will do to people they're going to Mm-hmm. pick out the weakest people in the herd or who they perceive to be that and play on their fears and their anxieties and capitalize on that. Yeah. So, yeah. If anything, it shows me how this cult actually sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. That and the pube pie. That's, that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any other thoughts we'd like to talk about before we maybe take a lighter turn <laughs> and talk about how we could reimagine this as a actual romance? <laughs> take, take, out, take out some of the utterly appalling content, replace it with some nicer stuff. Oh, gosh. I think I've said everything that I can think of right now. I'll probably wake up in the middle of the night and be like... And another thing. <laughs> It'll do that. But does it surprise you all that you're not terrified? Yeah. 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 Because this is very much a horror film. I was low-key bored during it. Really? Well, also, like, I was watching it in the middle of the day, and it's hard for me to focus on one thing at a time. And I already knew it was going to happen. It's kind of like a quiet mm-hmm. movie for big chunks mm-hmm. of it. So I was kind of like, okay, okay. 
that's fucking nasty. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Don't need to see that swinging around. <laughs> Is that the bloody dick? Oh, you're giving him a lot of credit. <laughs> uh, flapping. <laughs> I was really surprised and so was my husband. He was like, I can't believe you actually watched that because he hasn't Uh seen it. And um, I really, I think it's, I I expect from horror the jump scare Mm -hmm. and I really have no tolerance for that. Um, No, neither do I. But it's, it's kind of like you had said to us when we were talking about this movie initially, which is that it's not like about these big scare moments. It's about this sort of like, creeping pervading unease Mm -hmm. and um that that's what i felt of it so it it was much more manageable than i expected yeah Mm -hmm. but it i think if anything you know you watch the jump scare horror movies and you're scared for a minute and then maybe even when you go to bed you're a little spooked but the next day it's gone this one's gonna stay with you for a bit and you're gonna be thinking about it one random day and think man Fuck Christian. <laughs> I'm glad you I think you're right about that. Bear. <laughs> That's what he oh, deserves. One more thing that I forgot to mention that I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. When they're in that hut, one of the Swedes gives the other Swede some pollen and he's like, here, you won't feel any pain. Oh, yeah, the you rise <laughs> and then immediately begin screaming <laughs> because your religion yeah. is a lie. Your religion is a lie. <sighs> yeah, that was um, the burning. Yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> yep, yep. It's bad. It's bad. That reminds me a lot of that second to last season of the hundred that I was telling you about. We can, <laughs> if you do ever get around to watching it, Deanna, we can talk yeah, about it. I'll get there. Ah. <sighs> All right. Are we ready to yeah. switch gears? I'm ready. Okay. Who wants to pitch their movie first? Ooh, are we competing? Oh. I think we oh, should Lord, compete. I, haven't, I thought this was going to be collaborative. I didn't do my homework. I didn't, okay. I didn't know I was pitching a movie, so can I be the meat in this sandwich? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have something in mind, Liz, or, or I can go? Uh, I have something All right. Let's hear it. Okay, so I think that we do this as, like, under the Tuscan sun with (laughs) Diane Lane, but in rural Sweden. And after a devastating breakup with a mediocre Mm -hmm. dude, uh, Florence Pugh flies to Sweden. Like, we could say it's, like, her ancestral home, maybe, or it was where she was supposed to honeymoon, but she split up with the dude, and she goes and like stumbles upon this little festival maybe her car breaks down and she meets like an adorable swede named pele (laughs) or maybe pele is like her dude friend and he goes along with her on what was supposed to be her honeymoon and then they fall in love and there's dancing and flower crowns and like really romantic sex among flowers without a group of naked women watching and moaning (laughs) wow very good that sounds especially minus the group sex for sure Mm -hmm. okay i got mine i've got i think i've got mine too 
because this is supposed right. to be a breakup movie, I am thinking about forgetting Sarah Marshall. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, so Danny goes on this trip after her breakup with mediocre dude Christian. And she goes to the Harga. And it's this whole experience minus the ritual sacrifices and unpleasantness that goes on there. And she meets Pele. But she turns out that douchebag Christian shows up at the same time. And it's super uncomfortable because she still has feelings. But she's working through them. And her Mm -hmm. buddy Pele's hanging out, just helping her get through it. And then... And then it all clicks. It all comes together. She catches Christian in the yeah. act with this girl, but Pele's there to back her up. And there's some drama and some a little, I'm there for you, Danny, and some rain. And, <laughs> and it, just, it ends beautiful. And Christian still ends up dying in a bear on fire. Like, we can keep that, I think. I don't totally see how point A leads to point B, but sure. I mean, I I think in this case, the bear can be like, oh my God, I tripped and there was this bear and it was on fire and he landed in it. I I don't know. (laughs) I haven't thought through all of the logistics. Remember when that met that sky clock solid <laughs> Josie hole in Ice Planet Barbarians? That was awesome. She sucked. But anyway, Meg, what's okay. your pitch? Mine is pretty similar to Deanna's. I'm just going to say that it's going to be very similar to Midsommar as it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have to have the like, murdering of her family but I do think we should have her still dating Christian and he's still shitty and he's got a shitty group of friends and their friend the exchange student Pele Mm -hmm. and they are going to go to Sweden for their doctoral projects and go to this commune and then they get there and it's exactly what it's supposed to be just a lovely (laughs) nice commune and they're going around and doing all this gardening and cooking and there's no murdering but Mm -hmm. all christian and his shitty friends have to do is keep being shitty and we learn to hate them and pele's there and he's being nice he's introducing her to his family and they're Mm -hmm. having these bonding experiences and getting along really great and then christian fucks another girl on the commune and he doesn't burn literally but he does get an std and it burns when he pees yes (laughs) so they have a it's we've seen it coming a long time coming since the beginning they finally have their big breakup and pele declares his love for her danny reciprocates and they decide they're going to spend their summers in a non-murdery harga that's beautiful I think think there's a strong consensus that her and Pele are ending up together. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I think that that's what's going to happen within the, that's my head canon. Although this, this society is like totally poly. Yeah. I was kind of wondering like to what extent the two of them could actually be together. I mean, he does, he's invested in her throughout the whole thing. And he does kiss her at one point. Yeah, toward the, the end uh, when she's May Queen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he draws a beautiful portrait of her. He does. He remembers her birthday. Christian didn't remember her birthday. Yeah. 
And when he was so like pathetically trying to like light Ugh. that candle, Ugh. don't even bother, man. Why don't you just take a shit in my shoe and light that on fire <laughs> and stay? <happy? laughs> so, any final thoughts on Midsommar? No, no, <laughs> not none that I can share at the moment. Um, so, Deanna, if this has intrigued some of our listeners and they want to see some excellent horror movies, maybe branch out from what they're currently watching. What recommendations do you have for them? And it can also be books. So books, movies, anything that you think really stands out. Yeah. Um, I think, well, if this movie struck your fancy, you should definitely check out Ari Aster's other film, Hereditary, which it's different. It's very different, but it's also more amazing performances. Uh, Tony Collette stars in this film. Oh, I love her. Yes, this is one of the best performances I've ever seen her do. It is heart-wrenching and more terrifying in different ways, but it's an excellent watch if you're up for the scares. Okay. If we're looking for something a bit more lighthearted, but still with horror elements, and also romance. Mm-hmm. We like I that. Would- we do. I know. I would strongly recommend the movie Spring. It is a mashup of romance and Lovecraft, which is a weird combo, but it works out really well. It's about a couple that meets in Europe. She is of some descent that is kind of hard to explain without watching the film. She has an affliction, we will say. She is not a normal woman, but hmm. they connect. There is a little horror, but there's a whole lot of love. And it's a lovely film. So is it racist? Because Lovecraft is like a virulent racist. No. Okay, cool. No, it is not. <laughs> he did not write this. He's but it's Lovecraft dead. like adjacent? Lovecraftian? Yes. Uh when talking about horror, when you say Lovecraft, it's usually talking about Cthulhu or mm. some kind of creature. Okay. And there is very much a creature element to this in a way that you don't expect. But that part of it is not the dominating part of the film. Okay. It's really this this romance between the two main characters very who may have to with some horror, horror elements. Hmm. Okay. So check it out. All right. Well, uh, I was thinking that I, I'm curious what's going to happen to Danny after the movie. So shall we pull some cards for her? Let's do a reading. All right. So this time I'm using the Modern Witch Tarot deck by Lisa Stirl, which is very pretty and also very hard to shuffle. <laughs> it right. sounds good, though, over the mic. Mm-hmm. My chair was creaking so much during the entire recording, so I apologize to you guys and to the listener, but I cannot sit still. Okay, so I'm thinking, what do we want to do? Maybe, like, like body, mind, and spirit. I, I feel like love is in the cards for Danny. I think it might be. All right. Cutting the deck. Let's pull some here. So for 
body, okay, temperance reverse, mind, the fool reverse, hmm. and spirit, ten of pentacles. What an interesting reading. So for body, I'm definitely feeling like she is feeling unbalanced and disconnected from her body, which I think can happen a lot when you have any kind of panic disorder. So she needs to learn how to find that balance and how to really be aligned with her body and understand its signals and respect them. For mind, she has the full reverse. And I think that she is lifting the veil. She is no longer a naive young woman. She has experience, but she's also definitely like made a very impulsive life change. <laughs> so she she is has completely reset her mind, but in a way that uh, maybe is going to have some repercussions moving forward. And then for spirit, Ten of Pentacles, this experience was very nurturing for her. She has come home. She has found a family. She's found a sense of fulfillment. So I think that she's going to have some psychological issues to wrestle with and probably some trauma that's going to live in her body that is going to come up later. But overall, this feels like a spiritual like cycle that is completing and then starting. For Danny. Wow. Yeah, that that seems pretty spot on. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to like pull one more card because I want to know like are her and Pele going to get it on? <laughs> so I'm just going to pick one card at random and I pulled the three of pentacles reversed. So I'm not sure. It might be that there are going to be other suitors who take her who take her fancy i think that she's there's still like a lot that she needs to learn so maybe like later on she'll be ready for a relationship with paley but first she's got to like focus on like learning her new place in the world and like getting her bearings the way that she wanted to at the beginning of the movie but christian was a dick and she didn't get a chance to do that yeah i think it'll for sure take a minute to work through some of the emotions that go with sacrificing your husband to be burned to death in a bear right boyfriend boy Boy, was that a freudian slip deanna you know he wasn't gonna be her husband (laughs) (laughs) no he wasn't and i'm grateful for that Mm -hmm. for her dodge everybody yeah all right deanna this was such a pleasure this was very much out of my comfort zone (laughs) This was a lot of fun, guys. I'm glad I got to do this. I'm glad so, you agreed to watch a horror film with me. So I feel like it's only fair that we're going to have to have you back and have yes. you read a romance novel. I can do it. I will accept the challenge. All right. So Make- filthy, I guess. We got you. Uh so future episode to come, Deanna will return and we'll turn the tables on her. Yeah. Uh, Thanks again to Deanna for joining us on this. Our next episode will be The Unhoneymooners by Christina Warren. It's our next recap. Um, until then, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us at MakeoutAlreadyPod on Instagram or at MakeoutAlreadyPod on Twitter.
And slide into our DMs if you have any suggestions for us. <laughs> yeah. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. We've gotten some really sweet reviews recently. So thank you so much. So until next time, air kisses. Mwah. Mwah. Bye. Bye. Bye.